The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Benched with Bubba, I want to tell you I am stoked to be collaborating with Rotoballer this 2020 season with the Bench with Bubba podcast joining the Rotoballer radio network. Since 2013, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy baseball players their fix for in-depth MLB analysis and player news. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer 2020 MLB Draft Kit is live, and all Bench with Bubba listeners can get 10% off Rotoballer's Draft Kit by using the discount code Bubba. Rotoballer is home to the number one fantasy pros accuracy ranker Nick Mariano. Nick's 2020 rankings and projections are available as part of Rotoballer's draft kit, along with printable cheat sheets, draft sleepers, and busts. More than 300 2020 player outlooks and tons of in-season tools. All this fantasy baseball goodness from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with a discount code Bubba. Just go to rotoballer.com backslash Bubba and get your draft kit today. They have tons of great stuff and you get premium with promo code Bubba, DFS, all the goodies. Use promo code Bubba, sign up at Rollerballer, get an extra 10% off with promo code Bubba. Now to tonight's episode of Bench with Bubba. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 301. we got some baseball news to talk about for your fantasy baseball team, some strategy talk, and much, much more. In order to do so, special guest of the show. He's been on a few times. It's good to have him back with his beautiful, luscious head of hair. You can find us over at Baseball HQ, Mr. Ryan Bloomfield. How are we doing, man? Doing great, Bubba. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, obviously a special occasion when I get when I get a, a personalized haircut just for the live stream. So yes. you, you put a lot of work into the prep for this one. I love it. I love it. It's gonna it's gonna be awesome and uh, get to get to know all of us so so well this quarantine time. Uh, oh yeah. Watch everybody know what you guys got going on at Baseball HQ though. You guys have been kind of getting busy here, getting back into it. Yeah, yeah, we've obviously been, I mean, just kind of like everything else, it, it was that kind of slow few months, and we are full go, zero to 60, um, in like this past week. So, got a lot going on on, on Baseball HQ, that's where you can find my writing. Um, I write a weekly speculator column for the site, and I've been at HQ since uh, 2012, so it's 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 been a while, it's been a great time. Uh, I work on the Baseball Forecaster, and then on Twitter, you can find me at RyanBHQ. 2012 outstanding outstanding yeah. that's, that's quite the run there my friend um well we've, let's uh yeah we've had a think? lot of long timers there so I, I i had a live stream with uh like doug dennis last or a couple days ago and he had been there he's been there since 1999 and ray and brent have been there about 20 years so it's uh it's it's a lot of long timers so i'm still kind of the one of the young ones out there yeah but you're moving up that list pretty quickly that's for darn sure um, it's, it's, it's fun to see everybody there. I've talked to most of them. I haven't had all of them on the show yet, but, uh, HQ has got quite the crew. Uh, I love, I love the guys over there. They're always fun, fun listens on the show. Great product. It's one of the handful of websites I do subscribe to. So big fan. Thank you. 
of Thank HQ you. and what you guys do. And one of these days, I've said it many times, one of these days I will make it to first pitch Arizona someday. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a tough time of year for me, but I will make it. It's uh, it's one of the one of the highlights of my year where, you know, you just, you know, you, you interact with everyone on Twitter. You see you listen to them on podcasts. Now we see them on live streams, but it's awesome just to meet them in person and get to sit down and watch ball games and talk fantasy. So um, it's a great time. Unfortunately, this year we are not having first pitch um, Arizona, at least um, for for obvious reasons. I think the the spike in, in, in really the Phoenix area was kind of the last straw with that one. So we'll be back better than ever in 2021, um, but also doing first pitch Florida next spring as well. So kind of sucks, but uh but that's that's 2020 for you. Yeah, them's the breaks these days. That's them's just the, the way breaks. things. <laughs> just the way things are going. But exactly. we're gonna start talking. We're gonna we're gonna talk about some breaks. We have some uh, news coming out. Some opt outs. Some COVID deals. There's a lot of news that changes every day, like we've been talking about. So some of it we try not to overreact to. Some of it we we do what we can with. And we'll start with uh, one of the. I always it sounds weird saying the biggest impact because they're all impacts. It's people's health that we're talking about. Yep. But um, David Price opts out of his contract and I can't blame anybody for opting out if they want to opt out and that's never the issue but from a fantasy perspective doing what we do we have to analyze the fact this opens up a spot in an already crowded Dodgers rotation if we want to take it a step further um, we found out today Jimmy Nelson's gonna have back surgery so he's another arm kind of out of the way we've seen news that Ross Stripling's getting stretched out that Dustin May is getting stretched out what are you doing with this Dodgers rotation where Kershaw and Bueller are clearly the one two but then there's three spots for about five or six arms. Yeah, then it gets yeah, exactly. And I mean that's been the LA problem the last what five or six years. They're just so deep in the rotation that um from a fantasy standpoint and really and more so in twenty twenty and, and I'll kinda drive this point home throughout the pod tonight, is just kind of you know, the, the length of some of these LA starters is just not going to be there for, for, for people to get wins and rack up strikeouts. So like Kershaw and Bueller pretty much have, you know, that long leash, they can kind of go five to seven, sometimes eight innings, but the rest of that rotation, the Urias stripling Wood Wood might have a little bit of a longer leash just because of uh, what he's done in the past, but there's a lot of guys with tons of talent, Dustin May, um, Tony Gonsolin, I just the, the the talents there, the ratios will be there, but I can just see another year of Dave Roberts either piggybacking guys or having guys going for maybe five innings, especially for the first right two three weeks of the season. And from a from a fantasy angle, that's a tough place to mine from in order to get uh, those counting stats, those strikeouts and wins. So um, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of shying away from that back end of the LA rotation just because I don't think a lot of those guys are going that that deep into games until at least September. And that's the hard part about it. Like you said, it's going to be a theme uh, throughout this and many podcasts coming up until the season starts. There's still so many questions involved and Kershaw and Bueller. Yeah. You can pretty much say they're going to be the one, two. There's really no arguing that you're going to imagine Kershaw, especially should be good to go for five plus Bueller. will be close, but then Urias Wood, stripling may Gonsolin, all these guys. And that's why I found it interesting when reports came out the last couple of days, stripling's almost stretched out to six innings. May's almost stretched out to five, and I'm like, that's good. That's nice and all, but tell us what's that mean because I'm with you. We're, we've all been on the speculation that you know you got Urias and Wood and all these other arms that they're going to piggyback or they're going to do all kinds of goofy things because they have the luxury to do that. So as much as I want to jump, I've, I'm a huge Dustin May fan. I love Dustin May and season uh, like the full season when we were drafting, thinking he'd get his shot eventually. I'm still intrigued by him. I'm excited the fact he stretched out question is what are they going to do with that and that's where we have to still kind of keep our our ears to the beat and and find out what the beat writers are talking about in, in that yeah. regard because yep. eventually you could find gold in one of these and get a super cheap value i think i think the one of the major things that's going to decide leagues this year is getting those cheap starters and just finding the ones that are going to be able to get wins and get strikeouts um in, in volume that's going to be huge but uh but yeah i'm with you and especially like it's been kind of weird all the reports lately of a pitcher stretching out there's there's kind of I don't know. I'm skeptical because there's a difference between going five or six innings in a simulated game, a pretty low stress innings on your arm between that and actually going in there with, you know, runners on base and in a, in a 60 game sprint. Those are high stress innings. And I don't think we can totally translate the, uh, you know, the reports of someone through 85 pitches in a, in a, in a 
simulated game and just assume that they're going to be that good out of the gate. We'll see. I might be wrong, but uh, it, it, it's kind of funny how so many reports, you know, it all started out that there were like two or three, um, you know, inning starts for the first couple of weeks and then they'd ramp up. And now it's all these guys, you know, pitching complete games and, and simulated innings. Yeah, no, it's crazy. And that's one thing that Nick Pollock and I talked about last episode is, it's not necessarily the innings. It's the stress in those innings, like for those pitches that we have to decide, like you're saying. And that's why like, uh, a beat writer today said Jordan Lyles went three and a third and gave up, you know, four runs or whatever. And I didn't care about the stats. I literally asked how many pitches did he throw? Like, I, that's what I want to know. What That's the workload I'm curious about because, you know, Kershaw, if he's efficient, he could be through five innings at like 65 pitches and Dave Roberts will throw him back out there. It's just yeah. little things like that. So it's a guessing game. That's where we're at right now. The fun of it all. Um, let's talk New York Yankees. This is one that makes me laugh because reports like two weeks ago before there was a deal in place, Stanton wasn't healthy. Um, Judge had a collapse lung that he's recovering from. Things look bleak. Now they're practicing. They were in the um, – I'm literally – the MLB Network's re-showing the Yankees simulated game of Judges in the batter's uh, box right yeah. now. So they, they were playing today. Does this change your opinion on them if you were off of them? Like what are you doing with them in drafts right now? I mean, I think if anything, the the price is just going to go up with Judge and Stan, especially you know as the uh, as the sleeveless shirt picks come out of of, of Stan and Judge standing in in the outfield or flexing in the box, you know that, that's going to correlate to their ADP going through the roof. I think in the in the in the post in the in the in the July draft. So I'm still staying away from those guys. I think there's a big difference between being kind of currently healthy and still being injury prone. And I, I really do think Judge and Stanton have earned that injury prone tag um, just because we're waiting, you know, two or three extra months and they, they say they're 100 percent right now. Uh, just the, you know, the, the track record, especially like the soft tissue stuff, it's, it, it's there. It's real. Stanton's had some, um, you know, some unlucky injuries in the past as well. But I, I can't trust those guys, especially in a short season where every game's going to matter. Like if you miss even a couple of games, um, and, and take those zeros in a 60 gamer, that's going to probably crush you in, you know, that, that last day of the season because there's going to be a lot of games won or a lot of leagues won. Um, by uh you know a run rbi here or there or 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 two homers or whatever so um i'm i'm staying away from judge and stanton just because the 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 injury risk is still there even though they even though they look pretty pretty jacked right now yeah they look they look healthy as can be but um, a lot of people look things like they, they say don't judge a book by its cover i believe was the term um giancarlo stanton's going around average pick 66 in the Rotowire Online Championship since the return to draft season, as high as 55. Judge is going around pick 71, as high as 48. Um, it's one of those deals like if you're looking just for a power bat, like Solaire, Franmil, Schwarber, those are guys I might sleep a little better at uh, going with them later on. Another guy yeah, I want I mean, yeah. just yeah, that's one other thing on those guys. I mean, just the profile too. They kind of the the mid batting average, all power, not many steals. Like there's a there's not much to fall back on if there's an injury or if you know there's just a dry spell in, in power. So that, that that profile of player is also one in the early rounds that uh that uh, I don't know. It's not for me. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, speaking, yeah, we'll stick with the Yankees here for a minute. Aaron Hicks, he's one of those guys that when he's healthy, he's he can produce. It's maybe not so much in a sprint season, but how do we know? But he's back. He was also playing today. He should start pretty much every day in the outfield for the Yankees, barring another uh, flare-up of the injury. And he's going around pick 324 right now in online drafts. Is there any interest in a guy like Aaron Hicks for you? See, that's the – I mean, the, I'm glad you brought up ADP at the end because, I mean, there's different – it's just the way that I draft. Like, there's, there, I have different approaches to risk depending on where I'm at in the draft. And, like, at a 300-plus ADP, that, that's probably going to go up if – if Aaron Hicks stays healthy throughout July and the reports are good, but even like 250 plus, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of lower that risk lever a little bit, that injury risk lever and take some, take some guys with that ceiling where if they stay healthy, um, it, it could really pay dividends. Not willing to do that where the judges and the Stantons are going, but um, for Aaron Hicks, I, again, I, I think the injury risk is still real with him. Like he's not suddenly a, a pillar of, of, fantastic health but he's not going to cost you much so if he does get hurt you kind of toss him back in and you're churning um schedule wise your hitters for uh for for the next week so not not really too much to lose with Aaron Hicks and if he somehow does stay healthy in the in the 60 gamer um there's a lot of profit at a, at a, at a 250 380p 
Yeah, there's a lot of profit when you think about it. We talk about the, the Twins as an offense and certain teams at offenses. Obviously, the Yankees is going to be very strong. So if you can get a cheap piece of that offense, it's always nice. And, and we've seen in the past where somehow, you know, Hicks will be hitting towards the top of the order in front of the table setters. Like they move them around a lot in that order. So we'll have to see. It is a, an interesting injury he's coming back from, but uh, would be a nice plus as well. I uh, was sticking with the Yankees. One more thing with uh, many saw the video in batting practice where Tanaka oh. took a line drive from Stanton, found out 113 mile an hour line drive. That is terrifying. To think was about. it that fast? God. That's what the uh, reports came out because the Yankees did what I was hoping teams would do and have the StatCast data on. Didn't think I'd need it for that, but um, that's what we found 113 mile an hour. He's got a mild concussion. Reports today he's already on a stationary bike, uh, staying loose. I think it's crazy, but he's in concussion protocol. I'm guessing he doesn't throw for a week or so. I'm not a doctor, but um, I wasn't the biggest Tanaka fan entering draft season. He's going around pick 229. He, if he's getting a late start, he might miss a starter. So what are your feelings on uh, Tanaka right now? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously unfortunate, first and foremost. Like a, a mild concussion is almost a, is almost a misnomer. Like I mean, that's yeah. pretty serious stuff, even if he's already, um, you know, exercising on a bike. I mean, that, that's it's it's – it's definitely concerning at 113 miles an hour. Um, fantasy wise for Tanaka, like, yeah, that, that definitely hurts just because you're missing a week at a week plus of ramp up time. So what does that going to mean? Even if Tanaka is cleared to, to go for opening day or opening week, um, how many innings is, is his arm going to be really ready for? Um, the other thing with Tanaka, I was interested in him. Um, Earlier this spring, I, I mean, he really blamed kind of the um, ineffectiveness of a split finger fastball last year on the ball with the seams. And 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 his kind of outlook on 2020 for me depended on what kind of ball we would see um, this season. And we still don't really know the answer to that question. But I'm thinking if Major League Baseball is trying to uh, rev up interest in a short season and take advantage of uh, – of the the one week I guess they have of being the the main sport as opposed to a month, but that's a that's a different conversation. <laughs> um, they are uh, I think they're more apt to kind of keep last year's ball, and, and Tanaka did not like last year's ball. Uh, couldn't grip that splitter, and the effectiveness went way down. So even injury aside, um, I was kind of out on him in a, in a shorter season, and this you know the concussion obviously adds to that risk. So I think his ADP will drop, um, but it's he's he's definitely dropping down in my ranks until uh, until we know more about his not just recovery but how many pitches he's going kind of closer to the season yeah i'm with you I, I already had him pretty down in my ranks to begin with i was going to lower him some more with this news i liked him more in a long season the short season just gives me concerns because you know tanaka's gonna have a couple of games where that split he's not splitting and he's just giving a batting practice and that's that's going to be really tough during the season so i'll probably be passing on him as well where he's going in drafts right now and i imagine he's going to fall a little bit but he's got like stripling and other guys we talked about right around him that if you're going to take the risk at that point you might have someone else to, to look at um let's go to Joey Gallo here. Reports came out today that he tested positive for COVID. Now we found out that might mean four days because he had it for two weeks already. Lots of things to, ch- to check here, but let's say it's like the Freddie Freeman scenario where he's going to miss about a week or so, it looks like, uh, all things considered. And, and, you know, he is a big power hitter. You have to imagine he's going to be able to step back in and hit. If for some reason, like, are you dropping Gallo in your rankings? I know a lot of people talked about, you know, guys that are getting uh, – are getting the disease, they're knocking down 10 to 15%. Are you uh, knocking Gallo back at all? I think that general like 10 to 15% thing is a good kind of baseline to start. And then you, and then I think you just kind of look case by case as to how each person reacts to the virus. And it does sound like um, Gallo is asymptomatic and feeling fine, which can't be a bad thing. Um, so maybe it's not that big of a deal right now. We, we still just, uh, I don't know. There's so much we don't so know about questions. the virus. So like, yeah, he could still he could still test positive two weeks from now, and you know, still be asymptomatic, but he he can't come back until he has those two negative tests in a row. So um, it's kind of for me, it's a wait and see. I'm not really drafting right now. Probably for I'm I'm pretty much holding off all my drafts until the last week of uh, summer camp. And I think that's a good move just because the news is just going crazy right now. So I'm, I'm kind of waiting to see on Gallo if, um, you know, the asymptomatic thing is nice. So if he does, you know, test negative and gets back into it, like I, I don't think he would drop that far um, or should drop that far in your rankings. I'm not a big Gallo guy. Um, 
to a gallo gal. I don't know if, if, if Alex <laughs> in here or not with, with Zach Allen, but uh, not really a gallo guy uh, just because of the profile. Like I said before, with judge and Stanton, like uh, it's not really a profile. I'm looking to target even in the, in the mid round. So uh, he's probably off my board, but if you're, if you're on gallo, I wouldn't really drop him yet. Uh, just wait and see the next week or so and see how he does. Yeah. I'd wait and see for sure. Cause like I said, with him, we know he's been taking batting practice. If they have to DH him, to let him get that back, that's fine. He's going to be able to hit the ball at the ballpark. Right. I'm not too worried about him. You mentioned the asymptomatic. Everyone's a, a different case, but we've seen with a lot of NBA players and these guys because they are great athletes, it literally barely affects them at all. Like they're mm-hmm. like balancing back the second they can pass a test. So we'll have to wait and see what some of these like uh, other guys we'll talk about are a little different. But we'll start with the the Braves pitching before we get to Freddie Freeman. We'll go to the Atlanta Braves. And King Felix opts out of his contract or out of this season, which I think actually helps him out of his contract with the Braves. And he was kind of scheduled to be the fifth starter in a rotation that featured Soroka and Freed and Fulte and Hamels. And there's a lot of mixed reviews on some guys there. The young kids people love. The other ones are kind of questionable. But now there's that fifth spot. There's Kyle Wright, who many have liked. There's Sean Newcomb and uh, other options that might uh, pop up. Uh, do you have any interest in any of these uh, fifth starters for the Braves, and uh, just what's your overall thoughts on their rotation? Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, first off, what a what a weird way for Felix to to end. Maybe not his career, but just a weird way to go out as yeah. just kind of opting out in 2020 with Atlanta. It's like, man, that's that's extremely random. Like probably 10, 15 years from now, you know, I think there's a few Twitter accounts out there that show like celebrities or famous athletes in um, other jerseys, like Patrick mm-hmm. Ewing on the Sonics and stuff like that. Probably see Felix in a spring training Braves jersey at some point, yeah, but uh, crazy. yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of sucks how, how that ends. But uh, in terms of like the Braves fifth starter, yeah, there's a lot of like young talent in, in the rotation that they could bring in to replace Felix. And again, I don't know in a 60 gamer, like how normally young talent, that's a positive, right? Um, I just don't know with like Bryce Wilson, Sean Newcomb, Kyle Wright, even like Ian Anderson. Um, you got a lot of names for maybe one spot, depending on how Cole Hamels looks in summer camp. And, and how is Atlanta going to play that? Are they, whoever they pick or whoever wins that rotation spot, is that youngster going to go five or six out of the gate? I highly doubt it. I think Atlanta's going to take almost like a tandem or, uh, yeah, like combo spot with that fifth spot in the rotation. Whoever wins it, I don't see them just going out there and, and, and throwing five, six to start out. So, um, I'm kind of shying away from it until we know a who wins the job and be like what the outlook is for that. Um, for that winner because I could definitely see like a tandem there. And that just, that gets you your kind of two or three innings, maybe four innings of decent ratios and a few strikeouts, but that's not really all that valuable in, in, in fantasy in a short sprint. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, I know a lot of people want to see Kyle, Wright. We've seen how good he was in college. He was only a couple years ago and um, we've seen him pitch well in the minors. He has a little cup of coffee in the bigs didn't pan out well, but we've seen that happen to a lot of players, especially pitchers. From time to time, uh, Newcomb, yeah. he, had his mo- he had his moments last year, but he seemed to be more effective in the bullpen. So it'll be real interesting to see how they play that out. I could definitely see the piggyback. Uh, Cole Hamels have an important uh, part of that decision as well because Soroka, Freed, and Fulte, they're locked in to do their thing, yep. it looks like, and they'll go from there. Um, when we, yeah. Just yeah, real quick with Kyle, right? Like that's the perfect example of someone who, you know, pretty good prospect pedigree. A lot of smart guys like him. A lot of scouts have a lot of really good things to say about Kyle, right? You just don't know how they're going to do in the, in the rotation when they start out. So Kyle Wright last year had 20 innings of an 869 ERA and a 188 whip. Like in a short season, that's just going to nuke your ratios. And, um, you got to try to avoid those landmines like that. And, and prospects who haven't seen major league hitting um, like this, there's a, there's a pretty big risk of some really ugly ratios and you just don't have enough time to recover from it in, in two months. Yeah. I just opened up his fan page and I'm no scout or prospect analyst by any means, but all the love we have for Mitch Keller, Kyle Wright's page looks very familiar. So I'm just going to throw throw that out there. If you look at the difference between their big league and their minor league stint, Keller was a little better in AAA than Wright was, but a lot of similarities there. That'll make you yep. wonder. Um, when we're talking about the, the hitting side of things, though, we all know Freddie Freeman. He uh, contracted COVID. He's actually apparently dealing with some symptoms. So 
He's one that I'm really curious on how quickly he comes back uh, from all things we've heard. Obviously, we, we haven't heard everything, but you look at roster resource, they have Yonder Alonso projected to potentially play first. There's a lot of talk about Austin Riley moving to first, maybe Marcelo Zuna DHing. Nick Marquette gets opted out today, so that opens up another spot in the outfield. There's a lot of moving pieces in this Braves lineup. Is there anybody that uh, all of a sudden maybe gains some value, like Ender and CRT, Riley, um, somebody else with their lineup? Yeah, so a couple things. Um, I'll start with, yeah, outfield. I, I definitely think this is really good for Ender and CRT. Um, and CRT still, I mean, he's coming off a pretty bad season that was pretty injury marred. He had that back injury and a hamstring injury and only had 199 at bats hit 246, like pretty much a lost season for, for Ender Inciarte. He's still, it's just his age 29 season. And Inciarte has a track record of hitting pretty much 300 um, with 20 plus bags over obviously a a full season. And that would be plenty valuable um, in a short sprint when steals are going to be so bunched up. Uh, by the end of the season. So I, I think under Inciarte, if he does get the playing time, and I think he will, I think he will um, surpass uh, you know, the other name I'm kind of looking at is like a Duval, et cetera, or Christian Pash. I think it's Pash, pronounced Pash. But um, Inciarte is uh, a, a major target if that playing time opens up, which I think it will. And the contact skills are there. The bat, the line drive rate's really good. The speed is still there, again, under 30. So, like, I think there's some some stolen base upside in there with Inciarte. I saw a tweet earlier, Bubba, you were looking at uh, uh, Pash as well. Yeah, I'm curious about him. Like, I'm not yeah. jumping. Like, Inciarte is obviously much more valuable at this point in time. He's gonna. He should, on paper, have the job. It makes so much sense for Ozuna to play DH. We've seen that defense, the beautiful mm-hmm. gifts of the ball off his head, and all kinds of goofy stuff. So um, I'm all for that. Rob's resource has NCRT batting fifth. Not sure that's where he'll be, but that would be outstanding if that's true. Um, and I'm with you that the speed is there. He's kind of sneaky speed, and people forget about him. I think there's a lot to like there. I think it opens the door for a, a, a possible patch moment. Um, he's on the, the, the taxi squad or whatever, the deeper player pool that they're talking about. He's basically free in drafts. If you, I doubt he's even, be, yeah, he hasn't even been picked yet. And in the eight Rotowire online so far, uh, Riley's going to pick 338 or not, no, NCR is going to pick 338 right now. And Riley's going at 265. So like NCRT at 338 wow. seems like such a gift. Obviously, you'd imagine, yeah, that's going up. Yeah, that'll but, go up a little bit for sure, but but it probably doesn't go much past three hundred. I wouldn't think it goes too crazy because it seems like so many people aren't in love with them unless everyone starts preaching it. We'll see, but um, yeah. I'm with you. I, yeah. I think NCR is interesting. The other interesting kind of fallout here, and obviously we hope Freddie Freeman recovers and and can get out there as soon as possible, um, is. Travis Darno, so he spent a good amount of time. I think he actually qualifies at catcher in first base. I don't know if Atlanta will use Darno at first base and if Freeman's hurt, but there could be, especially in like a two catcher league. I mean, all our NFBC leagues are two catcher leagues. Anytime you get a catcher who can play another position as even just, you know, they get that extra game or two every week. Uh, just by being flexible defensively um, or even filling in a, a DH like Darno could get enough additional at bats that that makes him actually pretty valuable in, in a two catcher league. So that's something I've got my eye on um, as well, just to see if Atlanta is at least open to, uh, to trying Travis Darno at first. That, that would be a, it, a it, nice it, little boost. It's a very good idea because he's already got first base eligibility on an FPC. He's catcher first mm-hmm. base already. He's going mm-hmm. to pick 276 ish, give or take. So 18th catcher off the board. It's a valid point. Like before the, like I've never been a Buster Posey guy in drafts, which is uh, so surprises many, but he doesn't, he, he doesn't really do it from a fantasy perspective. But yeah. I was thinking this year with the DH, him playing first base was interesting, but now he might not even play. So we'll see about that. But the, the, the Travis Darno thing, I wanted nothing to do with him for the most part because the Braves are so good about platooning catchers. Tyler Flowers is still there. He's a very good catcher still and a decent offensive catcher. And they're so good at like 60-40, 50-50 splits almost with their catchers. It worried me about Node. But if he can go play first base, like you're saying, that becomes a whole other ballgame. So that's definitely something to watch. There's rumors about Riley playing first base also. So there's a lot of moving pieces there. But the, if Node could you know, catch and play first base and play, say, 45-plus games, at catcher, that could be tremendous. So mm-hmm. that, that yep. could be sneaky nice. I'm with, I'm with you there. 
And playing time is going to be king in this short season. The, mo- the more at-bats you can rack up from any position on your roster. Um, yeah, great point about platoons as well in general, maybe staying away from those because that uh, obviously hurts that 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 motion. Yep, no doubt about it. Uh, let's go to the Mets. Everyone loves talking about the Mets. It's always fun to talk about the Mets. And it really stinks because, you know, going into like February, January, February, uh, it was all about the Edwin Diaz bounce back time. We, you know, he, he had a couple of rough outings, but the stuff was great, all these things. Let's get back on Edwin Diaz. And now Rojas is already coming out and saying, I'm not 100% sold on we're not going to commit you this thing. And I know it's still early and it's hearsay, but he was a top five to eight reliever on a lot of people's boards. Yeah. Yep. This could change things. Um, what's your thoughts on Edwin Diaz maybe not being the full-time guy? It it would it would destroy his value. I mean, that would be rough. Like I thought, uh, for as bad as Edwin Diaz was last year, like he, yeah, you were right, Bubba. Like the, the 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 price, the market is pretty much expecting not a total full rebound. I mean, he was the number one closer in 2018, but uh, pretty damn close. So yeah, this would obviously hurt. I'm not putting too much stock in it yet. I think almost every manager who doesn't have that bona fide established closer at some point during camp says this type of thing, especially early. Um, so I'm, I'm not too concerned with it yet, but obviously we'll be watching that. I just don't see like other options in the Mets bullpen. I mean, obviously you have Seth Lugo, but, but New York really likes to use Lugo in um, a multiple inning high leverage thing. So I don't think they would move him to closer. Um, I think even if it is a committee like Diaz would be the kind of the go-to option. So I'm not too worried about it yet, but let's see. You never know with a new manager. I mean, that's the that's why we pull our our hair out or what we have left of our hair um, with closers in fantasy because you're just at the whims of the manager. But um, keeping my eye on it, but not too concerned yet. Let's see. Uh, let's see how it develops these next couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm with you on Lugo. He seems more like the long man, fireman type role for them. The, the, yeah. the guys, the guys that could be interesting is you know they had former closer Jerry's familiar there. I don't think he'd be a threat. You never know. Justin Wilson's a lefty specialist that could get interesting. And then they signed Dylan Batances. Batances, so yep, yep. That's always uh, like, hmm. We've always thought he should be a closer. Is this the time? So we'll have to wait and see there. It brings back mem- bad memories, man. Waiting for Batances to be the Yankees closer for. About five or six years in a row there. <laughs> uh, what, what, where we were. what should have been. So many things are there. Uh, let's go to yeah. St. Louis now. Giovanni Gallegos has uh, COVID as well. The, the pitchers I'm more worried about than the hitters when it comes because they need those those reps, getting the, their arm ready. Closers, obviously, not nearly as much as starters. But there's a chance he's going to miss some time to get ramped up. Uh, the closer situation is already in flux. As Jordan Hicks is not ready. John Brebbia is not ready. So now you're looking at uh, the likes of like Hazley and yeah. um, I've heard Andrew Miller's name again. We almost forgot about for a while. Alex Reyes is there. Who would you be looking at? Or are you just staying away from St. Louis? Staying away, uh, especially yeah. in a short season. Like I, I'm looking for, and I'm really trying to target two plus teams with an established closer. There's just not enough time to kind of mess around with any kind of committee type thing in drafts really. Uh, Until it's kind of late in the draft, 20 plus rounds. But if you're spending any kind of capital draft capital on a closer um, in this season, it's got to be someone who, um, you know, has a firm grip on the job. There's maybe only like eight to 10 closers like that. I think right now in the majors, uh, St. Louis is definitely not one of them. I, I just don't think in, in a 162 in gamer, there's some time for the most skilled guys to kind of rise to the crop. But in a 60 sprint, like we're so much even more at the whims of a manager and anybody can get hot. So if there's not a bona fide uh, closer or um, role in a bullpen, I'm pretty much staying away unless it's late. So St. Louis, I, I thought Gallegos might be the guy, uh, especially when you hear about the stuff with Carlos Martinez, but yeah. obviously this changes that. So it's it's in a void for me pretty much until the end game. Yeah, I was having trouble even buying into St. Louis in February. So it's yeah. because they had so many moving parts there. So this makes it easier for me just to, to move on. Like you said, saves, at bats, all those things are so important. It's tough to play that game. Uh, Philadelphia, Zach Wheeler, he's, he's been very adamant that, you know, in the, the birth of his child, he said he's going to miss likely two starts, which yeah. now we're knocking him down to what, eight or nine total, if that's the way things work out, give or take. That's assuming he'll be ready when he comes back right away to go full go. Maybe he has to ramp up again real quick. 
Yep. Uh, there was rumors he might not play, but he's, he's pretty much said, no, he plans on coming back after the birth of his child. He's going to pick 148 right now, and that is going to be a little early for a guy not going every day. How far would he have to fall down for you to take a chance on him? Um, probably pretty far, probably closer to, um, 200 or outside 200 because yeah, I mean, you just do the math, like in in a 60 gamer, you're getting maybe 10 to 12 starts. You're missing, like you said, missing, if you miss two starts, you're down to eight to 10. What is that ramp up time for a pitcher? I I think that has to be included in kind of your, your return estimate. So you go from eight to 10 down to like six to eight and maybe, you know, maybe five or six ultimately by the time he's actually full go going five, six innings and qualifying for wins. So once you're down to that, like handful of starts, how many does he win out of those five to six? Like, you know, that number just keeps going down and down and down and he might only get a couple wins all season. So um, Wheeler actually really kind of liked, uh, I like the profile of, of, of Wheeler. He's pretty pretty recently has been durable and, and, and avoiding kind of disasters, which, which I like a lot in a, in a short gamer, but there's just not enough volume for Wheeler for me to be able to, to get him. And especially in leagues like with NFBC leagues here, I mean, you're drafting Zach Wheeler and then you're doing nothing with him for a week or two. Like that's really going to be hard. Um, once you start setting weekly lineups and you're trying to maximize at bats and innings on both sides to have a roster spot, that's pretty much, um, pretty much dead for a couple weeks. So Wheeler would have to be going real late in drafts for for me to for me to even contemplate taking him yeah it's tough it's real tough i was a big wheeler fan as well coming into the yeah. season you know pitching with real muto getting away from you know having a real catcher basically was going to help him a ton so i was a fan of it it's it's going to be next to impossible for me to to draft him unless he falls big time uh, talking about another player that's going to be having a child and there's a lot of questions around him and i know everyone's been asked it so i'm going to ask you anyways what are you doing with mike trout <laughs> Yeah, that's the million dollar question. Um, so it's actually kind of interesting. So at HQ, we ran our playing time today column. Um, and not just to do a subtle plug here, but basically what we do in playing time today is every, basically every day we go through news items, um, uh, that come through, um, like a kind of like a rotowire style, style. Um, the next day we give kind of the fantasy impact, but then we actually adjust the playing time projection that day and it updates in our projections for the next day. And you can actually see the impact of some somebody losing or gaining playing time and what that does for ultimately is dollar value in your league. So um, today or yesterday we updated the trout projection and Jock Thompson, who is our angels beat writer, he knows the angels in and out has been a season ticket holder for a long time. Um, I think Artie Moreno got the best of him and he, he dropped his season tickets the last couple of years, but uh, he's pretty plugged into that. I don't blame him. He's pretty plugged into that organization. And, and, and Jock, um, he docked Mike Trout's playing time 20%. He firmly believes that Trout is going to miss like a quarter of the season. Um, so he did that yesterday and, and dropped Trout's playing time that much. And so I ran the numbers this morning because our projections updated last night. Trout's like the 27th hitter off the board uh, with like 70, 75% playing time. So for me, if I'm following that uh, data, I'm following that projection, there's no way I'm going to get Mike Trout because that's probably what fourth or fifth round. And that it's just kind of crazy when you actually run the valuation behind a what if like that. And again, Jock's, Jock's pretty spot on with the Angels. Um, that value is just not there. And yes, you have to factor in, um, you know, kind of replacement level playing time and stuff like that. But if you're missing Trout for that long, again, hogging a roster spot. And uh, yeah, he's not lasting to the fourth or fifth, but that's kind of where we have him valued right now. Yeah, and that's the, that's the conundrum here because so, I'm a firm believer. He's going to miss probably a couple days while it happens. There's going to be some process. Like at the best case scenario, he's back in like five or six days. That's the best case yes, scenario. Best case. Uh, yep. Yeah. In reality, it's probably two weeks or so, 20%, like you're saying. And that's just a detriment because I've done a mock draft and he went like fifth or sixth. I've seen, I think, Jeff Erickson leagues, he went fourth or fifth. Some other NFBC drafts that have been uh, posted out there. He, he's, I've seen him fall, I think, actually to seven or eight and some. Like he, people are starting to just let him free fall. I'm curious if we get a more defined answer, like what the your drafts like on the 21st, 22nd look like when it comes to Mike Trout, because you, did you say he was the 24th hitter or outfielder on your board? Uh, hitter. Hitter. Yeah, okay. hitter. 
Yep. Okay, so I was looking at outflows. I was like, oh man, that really drops him down. But uh, I didn't drop him that much. But he, I mean, he 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 dropped a ton. I think like it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, Trout seems genuinely concerned about opting in for yeah. this season. And again, I don't. I mean, I don't blame him uh, at all. Um, I just don't think we're going to have that resolution by the time we get to drafts, even by opening day. It, baby's not due till August, so I mean, there's a real chance that kind of the longer that goes, what if it's you know mid-August and you know there's only what five weeks left of the season, and you just kind of say, uh, uh it's too risky. People are testing positive, and I'm not going to come back for these last five weeks. I mean, there's a very real possibility of that happening. So there's, um, a, there's a real possibility. Get you know late first round and he misses five games. I mean that's the that's the upshot. But yeah. uh, there's a lot of risk there in the first round. There's a real possibility, and this is crazy to think about a, t- a first round pick. You play him for like five weeks or whatever, and then you just drop him because if he disappears, which is insane, the idea of dropping Mike Trout is ridiculous. But if he's gone for two to three weeks and you're trying to make mm-hmm. a push to the end, you can't afford. Like <laughs> it's one of those situations. That you have to have that backup plan in place. That's going to be. I don't think I'm going to yeah. want to stomach that. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's that's really rough. And we were actually talking about something similar, not Trout specifically, but we were talking about this the other night on the HQ um, live stream. Like it's easy to talk about kind of churning your roster and 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 dropping kind of the last couple hitters from your roster every week and replacing them with guys with good platoon matchups or whatever. But in a 60 gamer, like what if your fifth round pick starts off in a month long slump? Yep. Like, I mean, do you think about dropping that guy? The, the drop decisions, I think, in a short sprint yep. are going to be very difficult because, you know, there's going to be guys who start out slow. I mean, that just it just happens at statistics. And a lot of those guys are going to be early rounders. So how long do you give them um, leash wise before you uh, think about cutting bait? I don't have the right answer. It's, it was just interesting. It came up. No, I've, I've had that question for a lot of guests. I said, like, especially guys that rely on, say, stat cast, watching velocity changes or these different things. I said, you don't have that luxury anymore. So how do you know when to pull the pin? Like, it, mm-hmm. it's going to be one of those deals. Whoever can – I know it sounds simple and, you know, it's like no dub, blah, blah, but whoever can make those decisions the right way quick enough are the, obviously the ones that are going to be ahead of it. But you know how it is. You get attached to a certain guy you picked early on. It's tough to just like, – in your head, you're like, oh, he'll bounce back. But now it's a 60-game season, so can we afford that? Yeah, and I mean, the odds are he will bounce back, but maybe it's like a Jose Ramirez thing who just really sucked for three months, and that's the whole season. Like, it, you would have been better by dropping him a month in. So, yeah, it's 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 fascinating stuff. Uh, let's go to the Colorado Rockies here. Uh, Charlie Blackman's still at his house in, I believe, Georgia, where he's waiting to come back to the Rockies. They still have him, uh, they haven't put him on the IL or anything, so they expect him to be there. But also they have David Dahl potentially leading off. I know Dahl's always a, a conundrum because he can't stay healthy, but he's going to pick 139. Does that have any intrigue to you to have the leadoff batter for the Rockies to pick 139? It actually does. Um, it kind of goes against what, <laughs> kind of what I was saying earlier, but Dahl's going a little bit later. I mean, not like not an early round foundational pick. I actually took Dahl in labor mix back in February, which seems like a year ago. Um, but I kind of feel like even, I mean, even with Blackman in the fold, I think Dahl with NLDH is, is going to find enough time, even if it's not just DH, but that just opens up an extra spot. And I kind of feel like if, if Dahl is a hitter's healthy right now, like there's just less time for him to get hurt. And I kind of feel that way in general, more just about the hitters, um, because they don't have to like kind of quote unquote ramp up like a pitcher does. Um, so I, I do kind of feel like Dahl is worth taking that shot in the mid, uh, in the mid round, especially like the park factors for Colorado are going to be real nice because you miss out on, you know, the, the snowed out games or the 38 degree uh, games in early April. You're getting cores like at its pristine location and time of year. So ball's going to fly. Um, I think Dahl's going to play a good amount. And yeah, I, I'm willing at that point in the draft, willing to start taking some risks once I've built that foundation and Dahl's a piece who could, uh, especially like he's so balanced. I mean, he could do that five production, five category production, nothing from the middle rounds. And that's, that's invaluable. Obviously there's some risk there, but I am kind of in on Dahl and that's not a normal uh, uh, Bloomfield strategy, but whatever. Got that gut feeling. There you go. Yeah, I, I like Dahl a lot. It's just that the health is a thing. But you know, leading off, he's healthy right now. You mentioned he can he can help you in all five categories. He's kind of a 
a poor man's Starling Marte kind of, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And you get him a lot later. So I can, I can definitely get on board with that. That's intriguing. Yeah. And leadoff in the NL this year is going to be awesome because you've got someone like DH who you know either just made it out right in front of you, or uh, that's obviously going to be that's going to be a legit hitter. He's going to be on base, so that's actually going to, actually going to help RBIs a lot more than I think we think just from a from a leadoff. So yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Um, let's talk about you. You've been having some fun there with uh, baseball HQ. You had three nights uh, last week, ramping things up and doing live streams and all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, why don't you let everybody know what you guys kind of did to get everybody ready for that 60-game sprint we have coming up? Yeah, this yeah, is fun. Uh, uh, and talking, talking with, with uh, Raymond uh, Hershey, 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 Hershey
<laughs> the, the I think Kaz is Tyler name. Yeah, just quarantine cut. The quarantine cut. Uh, Yancey's other question for you, because he knows you've been, you've been quarantined up, up there st- staying safe. He says, where's the first place you're going to go once it's completely safe? Uh, let's see. That's a... It's a tough one. I would say golfing, but I did sneak out and 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 play around this past weekend. So wouldn't be that. Probably would be either just a bar or a baseball game or both. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. Either head up to head up to head up to Safeco or I guess T-Mobile now, um, if I could, and and go check that out. Uh, would be awesome to be up there like opening day and and checking it all out. So yeah, I'd go see a baseball game or if it's uh, in the fall, a college football game. Maybe go see the uh, the the home state. Oregon Ducks, see how they do against uh, an Ohio State team coming to Eugene in September. But that would be awesome. But probably not. Yeah, that'd be outstanding. But yeah, I think that's going to be either an empty house or not going to happen. So yeah, it it would be a sporting event for sure. Yeah, I respect that. That's what I I even told my wife the other day. We were driving back from somewhere and the radio was on. and, And oh, we drove by a billboard. We're supposed to have our mid state fair down here where they have concerts every night. It's supposed to start in July. It's, it's a really fun time, and it's obviously canceled. And mm-hmm. I told her, I was like, you know, next year, the little one will be almost a year. We can, I, Grandma can watch her. We can go to a concert. How much fun is a concert going to be once we can actually all get out of the house and do something again? Like, just having, just little things that we took for granted for so long. I was like, oh, oh for sure. For sure. And, yeah, I was definitely – I was going to take – I guess my son would have been almost one, but we had a trip planned to go to Denver and then go see the Rockies. And, and obviously that got, that got all Jack. So. Yeah. Well, when he's two, we'll get yeah, to do that. when he's two, there, there's there time. You go. Uh, Lucas Beery asks uh, at Beery plucks 33. What are some different strategies or ideas that you implement when building a 12 team roster versus a 15 team roster? It's a good question. Cause yeah. I don't think a lot of people really think about it too, too much. Yeah. And I think too, like, I don't know, I, and I probably should preface a lot of the kind of analysis and stuff that I make is I mostly play 15 team leagues for NFBC. And that's one of the kind of tougher things analyzing, analyzing the game is there's just so many different formats out there. Um, a 15 and a 12. I think the biggest thing I would actually be a little bit more um, willing to embrace risk in a 12 teamer, just because the replacement level is so high that there's always pretty decent options on the waiver wire, not just for, or in fab, not just for um, just skill wise, but you just have so many more options available to you to kind of churn and burn hitters. There's pretty legitimate hitting talent um, in a 12 teamer that is not there in a 15 team league. And, and you notice that if you play, if you do NFBC, like the RotoWire online championship versus like a main event, um, that, that, that fab pool is pretty, is pretty strong every week in, um, in a 12 teamer. So that's probably the biggest thing is, is I take more risks in a 12 teamer just because if it doesn't pan out, the replacement level is that much higher that, you know, it's, it doesn't hurt as bad and you get that reward if the risk does pan out. And then I take, basically take that approach even further. Like I'm in the tout wars, uh, AL only with 12 team AL only. And it's like, there's actually like not even enough bodies on the hitting side. If someone, if someone gets hurt or goes out, like you're basically taking a zero because the player pool is, is, is not deep enough um, to, to even get guys who play. So um, as the league gets deeper and deeper, I kind of coil up risk-wise and and try and try and spread that risk and get guys who are uh, who I think are going to produce as opposed to taking like a Judge or Stanton floor ceiling type guy um, in a twelve teamer. If that makes sense? No, that makes a ton of sense. I was kind of going to go the same route. Uh, you can take much more risk in a twelve teamer. Uh, yeah. You mentioned the the biggest factor is that fab is just there's always somebody or the next big things out there somewhere. Usually. And it's kind of, yeah, and it's kind of funny like. I, I almost find the 12 team fab like maddening just because there's yeah. so many like good options out there. It takes that much longer to, uh, to figure out what you want to do, at least in like a 15 team or there's, you know, maybe five or six guys that you're comparing and a 12 teamer for those last couple of roster spots each week. It's like 20, 30 guys that you're trying to go yep. through. And at least just for me, like that, that yep. takes a while for me to sift through, but it's a hundred percent. And like the only other difference I'd say, is you can if you want to be more aggressive in a certain category, like if you actually want to go starting pitcher early, it's so deep hitter wise on a twelve team league, you can actually do that and feel comfortable mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah. Um, I, I'd recommend loading up on a closer, so like maybe get three guys instead of two, because that counting yeah. stats, a lot of teams are going to get three and you're going to be behind 
in that stat. Stuff along those lines. But, um, yeah, you can definitely take much more risk. That's for sure. Yeah. All right, Joe G414, he says, do you have any favorite fourth, fifth, or even sixth starters for the year? I know we, we talk about all these top-end guys, but are there any uh, guys deep down that are standing out to you? Um, yeah, so we kind of – it's kind of interesting. I, I've been kind of consistent in this, but, like, we talked about the Braves kind of fifth starter now with, with Felix out, um, and I talked about just how, you know, getting to five or six and getting that win is going to be so big. So even for, like – fourth or fifth starters I'm looking at guys that can go deeper into games one guy who I'm I'm pretty in on is Tyler Malley in Cincinnati um and the forecaster we put an upside of him of a 360 ERA and 13 wins obviously gets chopped down in a in a 60 gamer but um really good velocity uptick in the second half from Tyler Malley um the the swing strike rate went way up in the second half as well and when you back that up with good control of ground ball tilt like all the pieces are there for Tyler Malley to 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 make it make a push if he can get in that red rotation and go go six innings so I like the skills there um another guy and also I think the central is pretty pretty sweet schedule came out today and Cincinnati got a pretty good draw so um the central schedules are are, are pretty good for some of the better teams there um, another one out in Arizona Alex Young I kind of like um, especially with Mike Leak opting out for the season Alex Young was a guy who made on many many bloom boards this past uh January February um as having skills and and going like outside the top 400 I, he's probably even deeper than that so um, that's another name I would uh I would definitely target late in drafts yeah i like those for sure another guy i'm looking at is aaron savali with the indians yep uh, you mentioned the central already it's the same for the al central they're uh outside of the twins and maybe the occasional white Sox thumping things are pretty good over there too so um savali is one i like and that just loaded like somehow cookie's gonna pitch this year i i mm-hmm. out of all the guys i wanted to sit out i wanted him to sit out but hey more power to him um yeah, and then if the he's other comfortable one, that's that's great and exactly. the other thing too just with savali like the Cleveland as an organization tends to, I mean, they've got good starters, so it's kind of a chicken and egg thing, but they tend to be pretty traditional with their starting pitcher usage. And yeah. if Savali is effective, he's, he's, I think going to go kind of deep early in the season and that's gold at, at his price. So I like that a lot. Definitely there. And then something, uh, keep an eye on the Rays, either Chirinos or Yarborough. They're both projected fourth and fifth. Chirinos was stretched out last year. Yarborough, they're still playing the game. We'll see how that goes. If one of them or both of them are there, I'm in, I'm excited. And then the last one I'll mention, I'm making sure he's a fourth or fifth starter before I, I spout him off. But we talked about him with Justin Mason yesterday, and now uh, he's the second starter. So I won't go there. But Garrett Richards is too cheap right now. Let's throw that out there. Too cheap. Well, it's all relative. I mean, yes. you can be the second starter on Seattle and be the fifth starter <laughs> in L.A. Yeah, I know how that feels being a Giants fan. It's cool. Um, yes. Phil Dussault, good old NFBC monster, Phil Dussault, he asks, at what point in a draft would you start focusing on players that have an easy schedule for the first few weeks of the season, expecting to drop them after those few weeks? Like, you know, when we have a full season, it's like um, round 20, hey, this guy has three games in Coors to start the year. This pitcher gets to face the Orioles, stuff along those lines. When do you shift it that direction compared to I'm building my team? So just the fact that Phil even asked that question (laughs) (laughs) tells us he's a pretty damn good player because he's thinking essentially like two steps ahead of everybody. Um, And it makes sense to to really look at the schedule and probably take – I said before I kind of like to use my last two spots and churn – my two hitter spots and churn those guys essentially week to week. Um, So if you bring that out to a draft, you're probably looking – probably like – Probably twentieth round is when I would start using schedule as um, as a driving factor, and I say that because the strength is we were just talking about like Cleveland. Um, I think that's almost like a tiebreaker when you're looking at kind of season long um, evaluation of a pitcher or hitter. Uh, but when you get that late to drafts, especially like in a short season, I'm not really stashing guys. I'm not. I'm not really looking for guys with the super, super high ceiling, but low floor. Yes, you can just cut them, but every bench roster spot's going to be so important. And to avoid those zeros, you got to start playing the schedule even more so this season. So um, I'd say around 20th round and definitely start looking at those schedules and see who Baltimore's playing, see who Seattle's playing. I think Colorado starts uh, with like four or five road games. I don't think they start at Coors. So um 
But again, in a lot of these leagues, you're playing one week ahead. So maybe you grab a uh, late Rockies guy and, um, and go from there. So um, it's interesting. But yeah, the fact that Phil asked that knows he's, he's ahead of the game. Yep, he's always ahead of the game. Um, I haven't looked too deep into the schedule just yet, but I know Nick Pollock, he tweeted out when it came out, being the pitcher that he is, like Nate Evaldi, Martin Perez open up against Baltimore. Jake Arrieta, Zach Eflin, or whoever's in the, the Phillies rotation opens up against Miami. They mentioned Silvalli and Police Act. They're against the Tigers. Uh, so, the, like, there's some matchups that just stand out. Like, yeah, we got to we gotta make this happen type thing. Yep, absolutely. Right. Last question of the show. David Mendelson asks, what are the values of middle relief guys that can pitch multiple innings? Uh, guys like Freddie Peralta, Yarborough, Yusmero Petit, you know, there's Lugos, all those guys. Are you a believer in targeting these guys and building with them with this goofiness, or how do you look at it? It's tough for me. So most most seasons, no, I'm not a believer in the middle reliever just because like, and some of these guys are exceptions. Like you mentioned a petite who's been really good for a long time, but it's just so volatile. I mean, the, the just relievers in general, somebody who is really good and showed legitimate skills last year, like the skills could fully back it up, but you're looking at like a 50, 60 inning sample. And it's just not enough to be able to be confident in a lot of these middle relievers going forward. So what happens a lot of times is you take a, a middle reliever who had great numbers last year, had great skills last year, and it just kind of doesn't work out and, and you really get burned. Um, that said, for a shorter season, I think you're going to see like, and I've called like Jesus Lazardo, I've called him kind of a glorified middle reliever. I think you're going to see a lot of starting pitchers with low win totals, low strikeout totals, because they're not going deep into games early in the season that even if they do get great ratios, like the gap in the volume between that uh, starter and the middle reliever is just is almost gone. So um, you're not getting the kind of the volume boost from good ratios from a starter that you would normally get in a 162 game season. And that value has got to go somewhere. Um, so if you can target the middle relievers, and again, it's always <laughs> my favorite strategy is pick the right players. But if you can get the right middle reliever who's going to um, – consistently throw an inning or two at a time, maybe a couple days a week, like that volume is not much far off from a, from a starter who's being held back early in the season. And just by pitching in the middle um, or later in a game, you're just more apt to get wins that way, especially uh, with the the extra inning rule as well. Uh, wins are going to, wins are going to be settled earlier in extra innings. So you're going to see, um, I think some, some relievers get, an extra vulture win or two out of that deal. So I think uh, just to kind of wrap that up, I think they're more um, valuable middle relievers in a 60 gamer than they would be in a 162, but it's still such a volatile thing that I don't really have confidence in a lot of middle relievers, even like a Drew Pomeranz was, you know, great last year, but um, how is that going to carry over uh, into this season? Yeah, Yancey Eaton, when he first jumped in the chat tonight, said Drew Pomeranz and El Cy Young, so that was perfect. That you, you threw that out there. That was absolutely <laughs> Yancey, I'm, I'm crapping all over you tonight. Sorry, man. But uh, it, it's an interesting strategy because I've been on board with going heavy starting pitching early to get that confident base and stability. I see the angle there. I've also seen maybe getting one or two and then just loading up on the Lugos of the world and rolling the dice there because you can get the ratios and – I agree. I wouldn't be shocked this year if we see a reliever have like lead the league in wins. Like it's it's something goofy like that. Yeah, I tweeted this out the other day. It was just like you know, if you think about ramp up, like the major league leader in wins might be like six or seven. Um, yeah. Even if that's not like a middle reliever, you're going to have some middle relievers who get like three or four. And again, like that difference in counting stats, that gap is not there. So that's a really good point. I think, think we will see some pretty crazy lines where a couple middle relievers get those vulture wins and they're like in the top 10 um, in the league. Yeah, like if you go off of uh, some of the projections on fan graphs like ATC, Garrett Cole is projected to have the most wins with six. Yep. So that pretty much tells you everything you need to know right there. Exactly. Yeah, um, and you look at our, uh, HQ projections as well, and you run uh, the numbers in like a 15-team mix league. Ray Murphy wrote a whole article on this. Uh, with wins being scrunched up like that, like the starting pitcher like value curve is very flat. Um, there's just not too much of a difference between your top guy and your mid-tier guy. That said, and I, I'll kind of drive this home, like the, 
if you can find that starter who gets the wins early, who gets the six or seven wins, like that's going to give you such an advantage. Who is that? You know, we'll yeah. find out. Yeah, it's all about – it's almost more so don't concentrate on the wins as much as hope, and you can never predict guys with good ratios because that mm-hmm. like one bad start just going to, like you said, going to crush you. So yep. it's yep. going to be a wild, but it's the same for the hitters. Like um, that's why I, I talk about balanced approach at the – the draft, because even a guy that gets you like four or five steals, that adds up so fast on, on stuff like this. That there's going to be so many categories won and lost on like the final day or two of the season. It's going to be wild this year. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be. I hope. I I really hope we get that far. Yes, I mean, I'm with. You. And uh, and yeah, it will absolutely be wild. I mean, you hear stories of seasons being decided on game 162 or 163, even, and there's going to be just some crazy finishes. I hope. Actually, I haven't checked the last day of the season if they're doing uh, everyone playing at the same time again or not. I know they I did that the last couple of years, but I, I didn't check for this year. I didn't see the times, but usually that's what they do. So that'd be good as yeah, well. Yeah. Good, good but, for the blood pressure. Yes, yes, be perfect. But uh, that'll wrap us up for this week, Ryan. Once again, uh, plug what you got going on, your Twitter, all that good stuff, because Baseball HQ is not stopping. We're not stopping. Uh, no, yeah, so find me at RyanBHQ on Twitter. I'll post links to all my stuff from there, and you can find me on uh, BaseballHQ.com. Yep, go check it all out. And, Ryan, always a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for joining me once again, and uh, hopefully we get to talk some real baseball pretty soon. Well, we will. Appreciate it, man. All right. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 301 with Ryan Bloomfield of Baseball HQ. Catch you guys later.